0: Head to my website, SimonMundy.com or Amazon, Waterstone, Smiths, places like that, to get your copy.
1: Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves, without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: Hello and welcome to this week's bite-sized episode of Life Lessons with me, Simon Mundy. In these short episodes, I revisit one lesson from one of my previous conversations and have a closer look. And just a quick heads up, after a short break, I will be back putting out longer Life Lessons episodes in the new year and I've recorded some absolute crackers. But first things first, here is this week's bite-sized episode. I hope you enjoy. This bite sized episode is with Professor Cal Newport, who is the author of two of my favorite books, Deep Work and Digital Minimalism. Now, this clip is all about the mental health impacts of smartphones. And Cal talks about the work of Jean Twenge, who is a generational researcher in the United States. Now, her research revealed the profound impact that smartphones had on the well-being of the first generation of students that went to high school with both a smartphone and a social media account. Now, at that exact moment in time, mental health disorders, specifically relating to anxiety, shot up. I think this is particularly salient because recent mental health research here in the UK is particularly eye-catching. A quarter of young people it found, aged between 17 and 19, are experiencing mental health problems. And the role of smartphones and digital just cannot be underestimated. This really is, in my opinion, vitally important listening. So here is the author of the outstanding book, Digital Minimalism, Professor Cal Newport.
2: This would have been probably 2013, maybe 2014, if I have my timeline right. I was doing a, an event at a college campus and it was uh, had the, it was being sponsored by the mental health something, something. So I was walking across campus with the head of campus student mental health services. And she was talking She was saying like, you know, we we, um, we have all this anxiety related mental health issues suddenly. And like we didn't have them before. And now uh, we have a huge amount more number of students who are coming into the mental health clinic on campus, but just raw numbers more than we ever had. And it's almost all anxiety and anxiety related disorders, which is not what we used to see before. We used to see a much more diverse array of sort of standard uh, young person mental health issues. And at the time, like, well, what's going on here, right? Did something get in the water? And she didn't even hesitate, she said, oh, smartphones. As soon as we saw that first cohort of college students arrived that all had smartphones, and had had them throughout high school, so they were really attached to them. She's like, it was a, a light switch. And that put it on my radar. And then uh, Twingy comes out and says, okay, I've studied this data really carefully. There's something very different about this generation. Uh, they're much more anxious, right? There, there, there's something going on here, right? And she's like, it's not really the generation. It really starts pretty suddenly. And, and she says, let's look at what is the dividing line between people who have this Young people have this big rise in mental health and those don't. And it was exactly where you born just uh, late enough that when you got to your early adolescence, smartphones had crossed the 50% of the population mark. In other words, smartphones had become ubiquitous. And that was the key divider line. And there's all these other theories that came, came in. Well, we have all these other explanations for why people might be anxious as kids. There's, the, there's stuff that was happening with the financial crisis. And then later mm-hmm. there was political issues. None of these timelines fit right they they would have they started too early before the rise happened or they started too late but the timeline that fit real perp- uh, perfectly was uh, the, this as soon as you were just old enough to probably have a smartphone when you were 14 off the charts like you, know, you have the self reported but then the self reported was backed up by data on actual hospital admissions for self harm attempts by teenagers and it was this really clear troubling signal that phones and young people were causing trouble. Now, I I just want to briefly lay the landscape here because social psychology is very complicated. Um, so you have the group, you have her, you have height, you have other people who are arguing. Like, come on, guys! <laughs> like you hear foot, you hear footprint, hoof hoofbeats. It's horses, right? The the this common diagnosis thing. Um, this just matches perfectly. Uh, then you have this other group that came in, including some groups based in the UK. They're like, oh, come on, it's, 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 it's nothing to do with this. You guys are being alarmist because there's a lot of value to being contrarian. But the reason why I fall on the side of the people who say, I think there's a real issue here is that it's not just that we're teasing out subtle epidemiological signals in some data set, trying to figure out like, ooh, everyone who went to this you know, factory has lung cancer. So maybe there's like a there. You talk to young people and they just self-report it. They hmm. say this right here is making me anxious <laughs> so it's, it's not like we have to tease this out like oh my god our statisticians found the connection that no one realized <laughs> every young person you talk to says this is stressing me the hell out but let's just talk to the people mm. and they're saying help yeah and i think we should probably take that seriously
0: so i spoke to sam harris recently and he said something which i just thought was pretty on the money which was just that we've never had the ability to distract ourselves to the extent at which we can now And I've spoken to other people about uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. And the worst thing you can do is either ignore them or get lost in them. You need to acknowledge them. You need to turn towards them. So first of all, that not sitting with yourself and by yourself, when I say that in this instance, I mean uncomfortable thoughts, uncomfortable feelings, our mind, our emotions, just that turning away from the normal, at times, uncomfortable parts of of human experience, but also then What might seem like a normal feeling suddenly, because they're so unused to having to deal with this, it becomes so overwhelming that they keep turning away from it, keep turning away from it. What's your take on just that inability to sit or be with thoughts and feelings, essentially?
2: Yeah, It's a critical issue. I mean, I completely agree with Sam on this. I have a whole chapter in digital minimalism about this, and I call it solitude deprivation. And this was exactly my point in that chapter is that this is a completely novel experiment in human history. Uh, we have never had the ability before to completely banish from our daily life any time alone with our own thoughts. It, it, that was just completely unavoidable until about 10 years ago. You know, it's like, I gotta be in line, I gonna be in the car, I'm waiting for the the microwave to cook. Like, it was just a normal part of human existence that, of course, there's lots of times throughout the day when it's just you alone with your own thoughts. It took the ubiquitous high-speed wireless internet networks being built out over the whole world and these supercomputers in our pockets to, to get to this place where we can say, what if we could banish that? You know, at every minute, you know, even in the bathroom, we can constantly have distraction. I think it's a really big issue, uh, and there's a few things that happen from it. One is, um, I think there's some compelling evidence that just the, the lack of downtime, Causes anxiety, right? Yeah. So I think that's part of what was going on on the college campuses where the college the anxiety went up is because uh, when you are processing information that was generated by other human minds, which is what you're doing when you're on your phone, that's a high energy, all hands on deck mental state because our our brains take that very seriously. We're not supposed to be in that state all day long. Like mm-hmm. we're supposed to go in that state when I'm talking to my tribe member. I want to do this right. And what are you saying? Let me understand it. Let me simulate your brain great, now I'm going to be hiking across the savannah for three hours and I can get a breather. Um, So I think we exhaust our brains, we get anxiety. Two is what you're talking about. uh, If you avoid hard things and hard feelings, you don't learn how to make, get used to them, uh, understand them, put them into a structure that you can explain them in your life, in your trajectory, process them. And then you are incredibly, incredibly susceptible. And then three, time alone with your own thoughts is where you make sense of your life. And it's where you get positive growth. But to grow as a human in in a sort of character, psychological sense, you have to have this structure of your life and into which you're constantly rebuilding it and integrating new information about your experiences. And man, that made me feel really bad. Why that make me feel really bad? I don't like the way I was acting there. And maybe that means I'm I take this virtue pretty seriously. And let me integrate that into my self-conception. And and you process pain, but also celebration. And, And that's how people literally grow. It's how you become a more resilient and interesting and character rich person is how you become someone who's able to become a a leader in your own life and in your family, and your community. I mean, it's all growth comes from time alone with your own thoughts. And and in in digital minimalism, I document person after person. I'm talking about Martin Luther King. I talked about Eisenhower. I talked about Jane Goodall about how this this time alone with their own thoughts is where all of their growth came from. The growth that then led them to be able to do these great things. And so you're missing positive growth. You're more susceptible to negative growth and you have this cognitive issue of anxiety that's just completely physiological because the brain is saying uncle and the way we experience uncle is I feel a little bit anxious. So I think solitude deprivation is a huge issue that we're not necessarily realizing.
0: Thank you for listening to this bite-sized episode of Life Lessons. As I mentioned at the start, I've been having a break from putting out longer episodes of Late while I've been working on getting my book manuscript into my publishers, which I've managed to do. And that means I'll be back putting out longer episodes of Life Lessons in the new year. And I'm really excited to share these longer episodes with you once again. And I will be releasing my newsletter too. So please do sign up at SimonMundy.com to stay abreast of exactly what's going on in the life lessons world and to get your weekly couple of nuggets that can enrich your experience of life. And of course, do get in touch with thoughts and guest suggestions via my website too. And finally, please do share this episode or any others with anyone you think might benefit. Until next time, goodbye.